0: What's up, Dalot Fam? Hope you guys are ready to absolutely crush this Monday and crush this week. My name is Derek Teal. I'm the owner of dialedhealth.com and I'm bringing you a Instagram Q&A episode today that was so fun to record. Honestly, it was probably one of the easiest hours I've ever done recording a podcast because there's a wide variety of questions, whether it was from my Chipotle order to how many broken bones I've had on the bike or pre-ride warm ups, pre-race warm ups, to getting the most effective core workout done at home with only one dumbbell. These were all things that we covered amongst about 30 other questions that we dived deep into this episode. Of course, it takes me on some side rants, but I was actually very proud of the amount of information behind each answer that you're going to get. And I'll be real with you. They were on the fly. So answering them for me was exciting to talk about and kind of unveil this information because they are so relevant to you as a rider, as someone who values their health and someone that's really learning to do all this kind of random stuff throughout your day, through your riding, racing, training to really start moving forward. So I wanna thank everyone that submitted a question on Instagram using the IG box on my Instagram story. That was awesome, and it totally paid off. But before we dive into the questions, I wanna let you know about some major changes we're gonna make to the podcast on upcoming episodes. Now, I'm very excited to say this, but we're gonna be bringing back segments that a lot of you loved, like weekly thoughts, like member questions, and also business updates. But the main problem about including these segments into the podcast was that it could just make the episodes very strung out. There was a lot going on, they could be very long. And we really want to make sure we stick to that 45 minute to an hour time frame. But what I hadn't considered was actually minimizing maybe the main content or the interview uh, in regards to time and just making it a little bit more concise so we can include those because I was so hung up on that portion of the podcast being, you know, 45 minutes to an hour or more. And another angle to this is adding YouTube content, which is something that i have honestly struggled to do consistently but the plan is going to be to record this podcast more like a talk show have multiple segments that are all pulled together for the podcast itself but video the entire thing and include other clips of maybe writing we're talking about or events we go to or anything we have on hand that we can plug into the video version for you guys to have over on YouTube we're going to separate it into segments to have multiple YouTube drops per week and most likely we will be dropping the full episodes but it's going to be under the title the dialed Health show. And there are going to be different segments, different playlists. But the idea is that we can bring all of these topics together that we love, be a little bit more concise and have more immediate value from each one. And also be able to house everything we do in Dialed Health in one place in regards to content, you know, connect everything, give you guys announcements and keep you more in the loop of what's happening behind the scenes. Of course, we do this with a newsletter, we do this in other areas, but the podcast is a place where it's very tangible. And I can imagine on YouTube, it will be even more so. So I'm looking forward to some of these changes. I hope you are excited about it as well. Might have to work through some kinks, but we have a great team supporting this whole process of video and audio and making things come together. So I feel very confident and just stoked about this change in the upcoming episodes. So without further ado, let's dive into the Instagram Q&A. first question is from neil.c123. What are some good core workouts that you can do around the house with dumbbells? I would first suggest to go back and listen to last week's episode where we talk all about core training because it's going to show you kind of how I look at this and all the different types of movements you can do and why to do them. However, if you're looking for two movements in particular, and I'm picking two because these are the ones that come off the top of my head first, I would go with these. You have a dumbbell plank slide as number one. Now a dumbbell plank slide you can do from a high plank position or from a tabletop position, which is kind of how you do a bear crawl, but I'll explain the high plank position first. So legs are wide. They should be wider than your shoulders because you're going to want to really fight that side to side rotation of your hips as you you drag a dumbbell across your body. So imagine you're in a high plank, okay, your hands are under your shoulders, your legs are wide, and then you have the dumbbell slightly behind your wrists on the ground. If it's behind my left wrist, I'd actually lift my right hand off the ground, grab the dumbbell and slide it past my right shoulder, drop my hand, and now I'd lift up my left hand and grab the dumbbell that's under my right wrist and drag it across my body. We have this in a ton of Dialed Health workouts and it's also something you can do from a bear crawl or a tabletop position. If you chose to do it that way, you would actually really light up your quad if you want a little bit more leg engagement so that's why you do it the next one would be a dumbbell chop which you can do from a standing wide leg stance you could do it from a half kneeling position on the ground but you essentially just grab each side of one dumbbell and you do a chop you bring it from one side of your hip up across your body and reach it up as high as you can almost at a 45 degree angle and doing this lights up your shoulders but it also hits your core and your obliques a ton. It's very functional, and I guarantee if you do it, then you'll really be able to obviously see the benefits for cycling, so try those two out. Next question, cash is worth. (laughs) Ask for my Chipotle order. Okay, this changes depending on my energy output for the day, so my typical order would be a bowl, But if I rode that day or this is like post-ride, I probably would get a burrito. I'm just throwing that out there. The tortilla, I want to say it's like 400 extra calories, mostly carbs, a lot of fat, but you can't just be rocking that whole burrito and rice if you're not really burning some calories to support it, at least for my little body, my little 5'9 body. So Chipotle order would be, uh, I'll, I'll just tell you my typical, white rice, black beans, chicken, pico de gallo, cheese, and extra lettuce. And then I usually use some of the Tabasco that's there. And whatever my mood is, usually it's the green Tabasco. Sometimes it's the Chipotle one. Sometimes I get pinto beans. Sometimes I get uh, brown rice instead of white rice. Sometimes I'll switch it up all together and get a different meat. Like the pork is really good. But my go-to is that order that I just said. If you add the cheese, it's close to 600 calories. If you don't do cheese, it's close to 500 calories. So if I'm shredding and really getting (laughs) focused on Some body fat loss, I probably will negate the cheese, uh, but that is my Chipotle order. Byron Morales Jr. asked, What kind of bike is your pink bike? It's awesome. First off, thank you, Byron. It's a specialized tarmac SL7. It's an expert build, and I think the color is called abalone. And it's called that because the specialized logo that's on the frame is this very, very subtle kind of sparkle that you can only see in certain light. It almost looks like the frame is completely, you know, one color, no logos on it, but it's when the light hits it right that you can see the sparkles in the specialized paint. And it's like a pink peach kind of sparkle going on. It's it's honestly rad. <laughs> I'm so pumped on that bike and I ended up upgrading the wheels to put some carbon wheels. I have some Zip 303s on there and I put 28 tires on it. I know you didn't ask for like the specs, but those are some tweaks that I made to it to make the bike feel really good. I have a Stages, uh, single side power meter on it at the moment. And yeah, I mean, that's pretty much my setup on the road bike and I absolutely love it. I will say the tarmac SL seven is a bike that is way more compliant than I expected it to be. I I was worried it'd be very stiff because I came off of a Roubaix, which was the first road bike I put serious miles on and it was excellent especially coming from the mountain bike side or the mountain bike world, I guess. Getting on a bike that was super comfortable, updated disc brakes, bigger tires. It had the future shock and a compliant seat post. Like it was was just a really comfortable bike to get on. So when I got on the tarmac, I was like, oh gosh, I don't want this thing to feel just like a rigid shopping cart. And man, that couldn't be further from the truth. I'm amazed at how stiff and fast that bike feels, but also how vertically compliant it is. It's, It's really wild. So I highly recommend the SL7. Rune SL asks when's the app dropping? You guys, <laughs> yes, it is I'm going to just give you the update because this is as much as I know right now. It's April 14th. Now the initial goal was to drop the app on April, not April 1st. It was either going to be the day before or the day after because doing it on April 1st didn't sound great. And that was until we changed our homepage last minute. And the changes we made to the homepage were so awesome and, and necessary feeling that we knew it was going to add a week or two onto the process and it was worth it. So we pushed it back and I'm happy that we did, but we are coming at the tail end of two weeks. And this morning I literally got an email from the web team saying that the last few bugs that we worked through after version six of our beta, and that's right. We went through six beta versions were basically fixed, but there was another problem that they found which is kind of it's like this whack-a-mole process apparently where something goes wrong they got to find it and figure it out and sometimes while you figure that out it creates a new problem and it's the coding stuff that thank god i have a team for that can be extremely frustrating so the goal has been to launch it by the end of this week since we knew about the homepage update and like these new bugs that showed themselves and so they told me today or tomorrow it's getting submitted because i've already approved basically the version that we have and once it's submitted. It could take up to a week. It could just be a day. And I'm telling you the guys that, but I really want you to know that we're going to do a soft launch initially. So if you're hearing this and you're someone that wants to go check out the app, by the time this is out, you could check the app store and you might be able to download it and sign in. But I'm gonna tell you, there's a chance it may not be perfect or there could be something up with it. We want to confirm that's not the case before we actually do a, a, a real launch. And it's cool because it actually gives us time to build some content of how to use the app, which is totally necessary before we do our official launch. So the plan is now by the end of the month, to have the official launch for everyone. And I just, I can't wait. I'm getting honestly impatient. And to bring this extra value add, to the dialed fam is is so exciting to me because the functionality on the phone is night and day difference, but there's also content that will be exclusive to the app that we've never done before that you can't get anywhere else that's going to be daily that is going to be also a huge value add. And it's going to give you a reason to want to check the app every day. And that's, I think, what I'm most excited about. So thanks for your patience, you guys. This has been a huge learning experience for me. And I'm happy that we we are just as close as you could be from actually launching this thing. Next question. From the cycling governor, how to properly warm up core and back before crits? Okay, I would use the home ride prep video on the website. It's 10 minutes, you use a foam roller, and you basically go from... If if you're waking up kind of stiff and tired before race day, I would do this before you leave the house. And you have to start on the ground, so it's probably better before you get actually out to wherever your event is. But what's cool about this 10-minute circuit is that it goes from some mobility and takes you all the way to standing with some activation drills so you're going to activate your glutes you're going to activate your core and then you're even going to do a stability drill that's really going to get your mind muscle connection going for your whole body so it's a perfect routine to do the morning of and then when you get out to your crit or you get out to your race from there your body's going to be a lot more activated and just firing uh, more than it would have if you hadn't done that workout previously so just go through your normal riding warm up which is hopefully a nice and slow start making sure that you're taking your time to warm up because I know on race day the jitters can come in and you can start going a little too harder in your warm up and you don't feel very good so make sure your warm up is dialed on the bike and that you take your time you get the heart rate, the breath up, you get a little sweat going, you do a couple quick snappy high cadence sprints, and then you should be ready for your race. And hopefully it's close enough to your race that, you know, you come on the line and you're not completely cold and you just feel ready to go. So that's what I would do. I would bust out that ride prep video at home in the morning. And I think you'll be surprised at how good it lasts through your event that day. She wit one hundred says, "Is it still beneficial to do the same strength exercises with progressions week on week?" So I'm guessing she's asking if you can just continue to do the same workouts over and over and over again. I'm gonna be honest, you can do it for a while, but there's a point where you want to switch it up and add a different stimulus. And there are people who do, you know, the same compound lifts week in and week out and they just change their, you know, this is kind of going into powerlifting terminology, but they change their accessory lifts or they change their, just their rep range and they do the same workouts. And so there's a lot of things that you can do to change the stimulus of a workout without changing the workout itself. Like for instance, you could do a barbell back squat or you could do a goblet squat and you could change the rep range dramatically, even though it's a very, very similar movement. And so it would be good to add some variety as a Cyclists in particular, because the goal is to be very well rounded with your strength as far as functionality goes. If you have a specific goal that you want to reach in the gym, you're going to want to hit that movement at least once or twice a week, ongoing until you hit that goal. But if your real goal is to perform on the bike and then just to be a healthy uh, human that's out of pain and basically able to do most things in life, you know, throw a football without dislocating your shoulder and you know maybe play the occasional soccer game without rolling your ankle or tearing an ACL or something like that. If that's you, you just want a lot of variety. So I would recommend switching it up and making sure that the thing that doesn't change is your riding frequency because, and I guess you want to hit the seven effective movements. I mean, shoot, I could overthink this thing to death. Uh, But the answer is I would rock the same movements for four, six, maybe eight weeks. You could do the same workouts and just maybe increase the weight only. But I would probably recommend switching it up after that. D Jones 632 says, have you ever crashed? I mean, I don't know if that's a, a joke or not, but yeah, I, I've crashed so much. I mean, you this sounds totally whack to say, but you can't get to the point where you can hit a 30 foot double comfortably without having serious crashes leading up to it. You can't get to the point where you can ride a super long manual or, you know, shroud a corner or I shoot. I don't know. Like... You have to crash to get better if you're really going to push the limit. And I've talked about this in previous episodes about people wanting to corner faster, but they're scared of falling. And there's just a point where you have to realize this is a dangerous sport. And if you're serious about getting better, you have to be willing to risk a little bit. And if you're not willing to risk, that's totally okay, you can still enjoy riding. Uh, Inherently, just being on a bike is going to be risky no matter what. But you have to be okay with maybe not being an incredible rider. And that's just reality. I don't know how else to say it. But I'll give you a rundown of my injuries. So first off, I've crashed every every type of way you can imagine. Uh, growing up, dirt jumping, racing downhill, racing enduro. It, it, it's only you know I, I've I've done every crash. When I watch Pink Bike Fail Friday, it's hilarious to me because a lot of the crashes are kind of like rider air stupid. It, it's the crashes where someone hooks a pedal on a root and goes over the bars. Those are the weird ones because they can kind of happen anytime. But when someone rolls off a five foot drop and just doesn't even pull up on their bars, <laughs> you're like okay. <laughs> or someone goes full dead sailor in the air like they have never have been, had their wheels. Off the ground. I mean, I've done that too, but it's funny to me because I've just experienced it. Now, uh, in recent years, I've crashed a lot less, and that just has to do with me not putting as much risk and the style of riding I'm doing. I'm not forcing myself to do features like I used to, but uh, you know, give you a rundown through my teens and early 20s, I, I broke my wrist and my arm and my thumb and my collarbone. I tore my ACL. The doctor said I exploded it. It was really bad. (laughs) I've had multiple undiagnosed injuries like a torn rotator cuff, broken ribs. I've had multiple concussions. Uh, My most recent one was at an enduro race about three or four years ago where I hit a manzanita tree. Uh, That was a bad one. (laughs) And trying to think of the most recent thing. I just sprained my wrist in December. That was a funny one. I actually crashed that on the same corner following Chaz Halver, who's been a podcast listener. We both hit this like slick as snot corner out of nowhere. He crashed, I crashed, rolled on top of him. And literally my wrist, it hurt to pick up my little babies for like three months. And that's just one of those things where you're like, yeah, this is for sure sprained or there's something wrong, but it's not really worth going to the doctor for So there's been more of that in recent years, thankfully. Uh, but yeah, I've had definitely my fair share of injuries. And it's because just because, you know, I wanted to be a pro downhill racer. You got to push yourself. Andreas underscore Johnson says tips when I start training again after a shoulder dislocation or fracture on the greater tubercle. My recommendation would be to really listen to your physical therapist and do as much physical therapy in person with them as possible. And I think it would be starting with their exercises because they're going to be the most conservative and they're going to help build that strength base and the stability back that you really want. And then starting to like push it a little bit more with lighter, but more intense, not lighter, but a little heavier, more intense exercise. And by that, I mean, it could be as simple as, you know, can you hold a dumbbell uh, that's heavy? Can you do any type of rowing variation with a little bit more weight? Typically, I would say any overhead movements are going to be the last thing that you want to do, but it would really be taking what your physical therapist gives you, doing it to the extent that they recommend it and then just sprinkling in a little bit extra, just trying a little bit more, maybe talking to them and saying, Hey, this feels comfortable. Can I add this? Can I do that? And sort of reading the response of the, of the physical therapist. And I think we, you know, I was going to say we've all experienced it, but if you haven't had injuries, you'll know that some doctors are a little bit more aggressive and some doctors are way, way too cautious in my opinion. (laughs) And you need to kind of read your doctor. this guy look like he's ever been in a sports does he currently do any sports does he get what it means to be an athlete or someone who generally gets after it if it's not that person and they're telling you like oh you probably just shouldn't ride a bike anymore or you know do, like there are those people out there and you may not want to listen to them but when you have a doctor that says says yeah you know like or if it hurts don't do it <laughs> if it doesn't hurt you're probably good and it's weird when you have some kind of uh, ligament injury or tendon or, or joint thing that's not a well, you talked about a fracture on the uh, greater tubercle, but basically broken bones are a lot easier to rehab because it really is a thing where it's like, if, if it's hurt or if it hurts, don't do it. It's very obvious. But when you have some kind of, like ACL injury, like I experienced, you have to work through pain and you have to break down scar tissue and you have to get range of motion back and it hurts. And sometimes you don't know if you're injuring it or if you're helping it, you can't really tell. And you just have to trust the physical therapist. Uh, So they can be a little bit more difficult, uh, but it's going to take a lot of you listening to them, reading what kind of doctor they are, and then, you know, using your own logic to, to step it forward. That'd be my best answer for you on that. The Adam Massey, he says, tell us about the tats. Okay. I can give you a rundown so first off i love tattoos and my plan with tattoos is to just blast my my whole left arm so shoulder to fingertips fully blasted Um, i don't really feel like the need to connect everything i kind of want to keep doing individual tattoos. And I think it'd be fun to throw in some more fun stuff as I go along. Like I'm going to get a ma tattoo eventually, like a traditional mom, but it's going to say ma because that's what I call my mom. I want to do a tattoo for family members to let them pick. But for now, I basically have my family on my fingers. I have the shark jaw on the top of my hand, which is just a reminder to stay aggressive and and be gnarly. I have a, I have my, basically my life motto on the side of my arm that says you are blessed to be a blessing because I, Really believe that's what we're here to do. Uh, when we are blessed and in a position where you know we can, we have resources to help other people. We need to do it, and that's also a reason to fight to find the most of your own resources and start moving forward and really just live your life to the your greatest ability to help other people. Like if God gave you some sort of a talent, you got to freaking squeeze every drop out of it. I have a flower on my wrist that is kind of random. I just like flowers. I have a shore shack. It's a building on my arm, which is from Rocket Power, which is the show I named my first son after, Auto Rocket. We made it a little bit more modern, which is kind of funny. I have a hawk on my arm, which is for my, my grandpa. Papa the hawk is what we used to call him. We used to do this sign or this uh, hawk call when I saw him. So I'd raise up my hand and I would do a claw and I'd go, that was kind of a weak one. (laughs) He'd be disappointed in that, but that's, that's what we did. And it's funny because I just got a wolf on my arm and uh, it's right next to the hawk. And later in his life, he started going by hawk wolf for some reason. And I didn't even intend to do that, but I ended up getting, getting a wolf just because I'm hungry. And I have a skeleton riding a bike and that's like you know ride till death basically i have a cross on my arm because of my christian faith i have a lightning bolt and clouds on my shoulder it's on the front of my shoulder it's like a storm it just represents power because i feel like when you see lightning you see a storm it's just I mean, I mean, when I think of lightning, I think of power for some reason. So Uh, and then I have a butterfly on the back of my shoulder, which is uh, the same exact tattoo my wife has on her wrist. We kind of want to do something together like that. Hers is a lot smaller. Um, But yeah, butterfly just represents new creation, another Christian reference. And I think that's all of them for now. Oh, I have a (laughs) I have North Star. So, the mountains on the inside of my bicep, that's it's North Star, but we literally just made them a little peakier. Cause to be honest, I mean, I love this It's my favorite mountain ever. North Star is where, you know, I first started racing downhill. Definitely a happy place in my life. Uh, and it's a local mountain in Tahoe. And it's just not super impressive looking when you see a, like a photo of it. You know, it, it's beautiful, but it's not like some crazy peaky mountain. Uh, so we just made it a little steeper, uh, but it is Northstar. And it's the view from 267 when you come through Martis Valley toward it, uh, if you're a local. And if you look at even where the ski runs are on the mountain and they're on my arm, it, it lines up perfectly which is pretty rad. (laughs) I think that's all of them. My next tattoos are going to be, I don't really know yet, but like I said, I'm going to blast out everything on my arm, maybe even in the inside of my palm. I'm not not sure, but uh, that's the plan. Once that's blasted, then I might, oh, I have a, sorry, I have a neck tattoo under my ear. It's like the Bieber tat. (laughs) I think that was the first person I saw with this tattoo and I thought it looked good, but it just says breathe underneath. And the motivation of that was really just the instant relief you get from anxiety from a breath. It's instant perspective. Like there are times you have to stop and re- realize like, wow, I need to take a breath. Let's observe reality. <laughs> What's really happening here? What's the solution? Okay, it's not so bad. I mean, that is literally what the breathe text represents on my neck. And so I've thought about getting more tattoos, but I'm gonna just keep it like just the one neck tat and then blast out my arm until it's full and then we'll go from there. If you are not familiar with what's going on at dialedhealth.com, I highly recommend checking it out because we give you the tools off the bike to ensure that you can have the best rides possible on your bike. We do this through strength training, recovery modalities, nutrition protocols, and mindset strategies that are all implemented in our content and our programs throughout the website. Your membership to the website that, by the way, has no contracts, it could either be monthly or annual, gives you access to everything available on the website. That's workouts, that's full programs, things that you can mix. And if you have a real question about which program you should be doing, use the program questionnaire on the website that's going to take you through a quiz, send the results to me or to Josh, and we're going to answer that back and follow up with you to ensure that you are confident and have the best program possible. The cool thing about having different workouts and different programs available is that we can tweak things and customize things for you to make sure that it is the best fit. So whether it's your first time strength training in five to 10 years, and you feel like an absolute beginner, or whether you are a professional athlete and extremely experienced in the gym, we have a program for you. And no matter what your experience level is in regards to training, we also have a program that will fit your equipment access and availability. So, if that's nothing, we have a beginner or complex program for you. If that's everything in a full gym, we have a beginner and complex program for you. If it's somewhere in between, we also have options that are going to be the best fit based off of your goals with what equipment you have available. Now, the big question right now is when is the app going to launch? We actually talk about that in this episode and I give you the most up to date details with it. But I I want you guys to know, although the app is not out, well, shoot, it could actually be out by the time this comes out. (laughs) That's how close we are. But I want you to know that in the process of creating the app, we have done huge updates to the website and we have included features like our new BMR calculator. You can now change the weight units so it could be in kilos instead of pounds as you're tracking and recording. We've added the event feature onto the calendar dashboard and there's another big one coming soon. I kind of hint at it in this episode, but it's still a surprise. So I got to wait. So go to the website and check it out. It is the best it has ever been. I'm so proud of how that website has come along and stay tuned because the app is coming. It's going to be no additional cost to members. We've been investing in a lot of it, a lot of time, a lot of money, and it is going to be awesome. But don't wait, go to the website now, start your seven day free trial and start moving forward. Next question is from SW Riding. First off, shout out to Scott, who this is. He came out on my Everest day this year and rode 28 laps with me, which is super gnarly. I mean, it took a lot to Everest, but I guarantee no one besides me has probably ridden more than 28 laps on on that hill. I I can't imagine someone has. Uh, So he asked, what is your favorite cycling accessory that you don't need but wouldn't want to live without? That's a really good question. My answer would be a power meter. And it's because I I rode for a long time without a power meter, and having one has been really, really nice. It it helps you understand, obviously, the power you're putting out, but it, it it can bring you back to reality. It can answer questions in your head when you feel a certain way. For example, the first place I really noticed a power meter was on a windy day. Where you're in a headwind, you're on flats, you feel like you're going so slow, and you are, and you're putting out so much effort. And you can't tell in your head, you're like, is the wind this bad? You know, am I am I just not feeling good today? But when you look down at your power meter, there are times where I'm like, oh, wow, I'm actually throwing down power. Like, there is no wind right now, you know, I would for sure be going... Okay, let's just give you an example. If I'm on a flat, if I'm on flat ground with no wind, I would say, man, for me, 250 to 275 watts, I'm going easily 20 miles an hour. If I'm putting that power down, and I have a 10 mile an hour headwind, I'm probably doing like 16. And don't quote me on my math on that. It just it feels slow. And you're putting out the same power you would have normally. Uh, Obviously, you could put out less power and go faster with a tailwind, which is another good reminder when you tell yourself you're an absolute legend and then you're like, oh, I'm actually just... (laughs) <laughs> getting assisted by a tailwind. So it's cool because it's helped me in times pace myself when I feel like I'm just sucking and I realize, oh, there are conditions like the wind that are actually preventing me from going the normal speed and I need to back off because I just started this ride and I am already doing 350 watts and I should probably chill for the first five minutes. Even if it means I go slow, it's just due to the conditions. So that has helped me a lot with pacing and also kind of to governor myself because I do have a tendency to go a little bit too hard especially when i have these longer rides that i've started to do and and that's pretty much it because i actually don't use a power meter for outdoor training much because i typically just get on my bike outdoors and and ride kind of as hard as i can (laughs) for the day and i only say that with confidence because it's just fun for me to ride that way whether it's mountain bike or whether it's on the road bike typically when i do structured training it's on the turbo and that's when i'll get in a quality zone today I'm obviously hooked up to power on the turbo. Uh, And I guess that's another thing where I don't need that, but it has been awesome because for me to actually build a real base and get a productive zone today and just get better at riding doing it on the trainer has been great because i have i don't have enough discipline to do it outdoors like i get excited we have so many rolling hills where i live i want to at least stand up and sprint and if you do that when you're on let's just say erg mode on the trainer it's not going to let you go more than you know 230 watts 250 watts or whatever it is it's just not going to let you do it so you have this extra governor that's not you that's helping you train and get the actual result that you want and uh, without it I, I definitely wouldn't be as strong as I am or I wouldn't have improved as much as I am or I have over time so I'm super grateful for a power meter you don't need it but it is very very nice to have Chris underscore Rojas asked tips for better balance the tips would be to practice most people just don't practice. Most people complain about not having a skill even though they don't work at it at all. Don't don't be that person. Strength training and your workouts in the gym are a perfect time for you to work on your balance. It is why we incorporate so many stability movements in dialed health programming because it is literally mind-muscle connection. Your proprioception or your, your own spatial awareness, your awareness of your body in space, in time, it, it comes down to you actually taking time to stand on one foot to do a single leg variation of a movement to do some flow that requires you to, you know, move your whole body in a way you haven't before and balance and put all your weight on one hand for a split second. And, you know, you could do some break dancer movement that looks complex and maybe you never thought you would do it before. But the reason you do it is for one, usually muscular endurance. Usually these movements can add mobility. But another one is for creating balance, for creating spatial awareness. These things are legit when you come back to the bike as well. But you also do you want balance in- real life. I mean, I want to make sure I don't always compare things to the bike because the value you get of having good balance, just putting your socks on in the morning, or you're trying not to step on your two infant babies that are always under your feet while you're in the kitchen and you have to do a weird, I don't know, (laughs) step up and over people, or you have to get out of the way, you know, quickly, whatever it is, you just want a body that can do what you want it to do and it's not going to unless you train it so practice your balance two days a week make sure you do one stability drill at least in every single workout and i guarantee your balance will be better oh a really good specific drill for this like i said they're in a lot of doubt health programs but um they're even in that ride prep video i talked about earlier opposite toe touches so if you literally stand on your left foot and your right foot is just kind of floating by your left foot it's really close to it but it's not touching anything And I reach my right hand up in the air. So I'm standing on my left foot, right foot is off the ground, right arm is way up in the air. If I reach down and try and tap my toe without moving my right leg that's floating and without falling over and then reach back up to the sky, for one, you're going to feel your hamstrings a little bit, which is good. You can bend that leg that you're planted on, but it's an incredible stability movement that's safe that you can do at home. Try that out. Try and do 10 in a row. Can you do it? If you can't, you should work on it. And then you can add weight to it, make it fun. Then you can stand on a BOSU ball. (laughs) Okay, next question is from Jacka.starman. What training do you prescribe to a professional athlete who is new to strength training and lifting? That's a really, really great question. I would prescribe, definitely make sure the volume is on point to what they're doing. So if you're a professional athlete, you've obviously, you're good at what you're doing. And we want to, let me back up here. You're great at what you're doing, but there's a lot of low hanging fruit. So you absolutely have not, tapped into your true potential if you're not strength training. I mean, that's a very factual thing to say at this point. So I would say we want to implement strength training, but we also don't want to take you off of really what is working for you. So we don't want to interfere too much. And I would say to start with a very minimal dose. If you're a professional athlete, but you have never strength trained, don't go strength train like a professional athlete who got there by strength training. Does that does that make sense? <laughs> you got to come in like a real beginner even though you have this athletic ability. You might have to come in the same way that someone who hasn't worked out for 15 years comes in and that's with for example, my beginner body weight program. You have a foam roller, you do two sessions per week that are less than 45 minutes. There it's total body strength, it's mobility, but it's enough for you to make genuine progress, but it's also not so much that it's probably going to impact what you're doing Currently, and knock you off of your rhythm. Because again, you're a professional athlete. You got there doing it the way you are. We don't, don't interfere too much, but we do need to add that stimulus. So come in by being humble. <laughs> come in by being humble. D Zabrisky asks, Do I need a hip replacement? I don't know. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Mojo 909, tacos, beef, chicken, or pork. Okay, I'll tell you my top choice probably would be shredded beef. I don't really like chunky steak tacos. I mean, they can be really good. Don't get me wrong. But shredded beef, if, if you get a good shredded beef taco, I think that might be my favorite. And I'd probably pick any of these as the shredded version. But then again, even diced up chicken tacos, like chicken thigh tacos. Oh, man. Uh, but yeah, shredded beef, that'd be my number one choice. Furch 87, where to start equipment wise when building a home gym slash workout zone. Okay. So I have an equipment buyer's guide on the journal on dot and it gives you some really good options. I've also done a podcast in the past about five best home workout pieces of equipment. And there's some things that you can get that are really cost effective that pack a huge punch. So obviously you want to consider what you're interested in because you want to be able to use it. You know, even though like kettlebells are my favorite workout tool, I don't always tell people to just go get a kettlebell because it does require someone to be interested enough to learn the form, to learn the technique. You have to like using it. And some people don't care, which is totally fine. Uh, so for a lot of people, the first thing I'll recommend is a pair of adjustable dumbbells and an adjustable bench. The two of those are I don't want to say that you could do the most with them out of anything, but probably like you are going to have such a wide variety of movement options, having an adjustable bench and an adjustable dumbbell. So adjustable dumbbells, these could be five to 50 pounds each, and you're able to obviously adjust the weight, pick whatever weight you want. Uh, You could use both. You can use a single, very, very, very useful. And an adjustable bench is going to allow you to take the bench from flat to an incline and it's crazy to say it, but that incline adds a lot of variety of rowing options. You can now do incline presses. You could stand it up all the way. And let's just say, for example, you have a knee injury and you need to do seated exercises. You can now do a seated shoulder press and use the backrest of the incline bench and just raise it up vertically. I mean, there's a lot of really cool stuff you can do and things that will allow you to stay consistent. So adjustable dumbbells, adjustable bench, probably the first ones. After that, it's kind of more up to your interest again, because if you get a TRX strap, You can have an incredible variety of total body movements. I I freaking love my TRX, but if I had to choose between a TRX and a kettlebell, I would choose a kettlebell because I can do the same variety of movements and I just enjoy it more. I just think they're a little bit more fun, Uh, but it's hard to say because I would really want both. The nice thing about TRXs is that they're pretty affordable and same with getting a single kettlebell. You know, you can get a TRX for 120 bucks, I believe, uh, maybe 150 if you buy the nicer one and it's probably gonna last for 10 years. <laughs> you know and same with a kettlebell it's like a hunk of iron so unless you throw it off a building on the concrete you're probably not going to crack it so get yourself one kettlebell that's like a medium weight you know my go-to one kettlebell is 16 kilos so that's like 32 pounds uh, but the trick is you want to have a, a weight that you can press overhead for multiple reps but that's still heavy enough for you to swing because if you get a weight that's too light none of the swings are going to be effective. And truthfully, if you want to have a really wide variety of effective movements, you're going to want kind of a heavy kettlebell and kind of a light kettlebell. So maybe I, I know when I bought some in the past and I bought two before I invested in this studio and had a full range of them, I bought a 12 kilo and I bought a 24 kilo because the 24 kilo I could do squats, heavy swings, heavy rows, all super effective. And then the 12, I could do a lot of overhead pressing, a lot of complex movements, a lot of core movements. And even though I could and would use the weights in between, those two varieties gave me a bunch of options. And then you have, okay, just bands, for example. I mean, bands can take some creativity, but my band workouts on the website are some of the hardest workouts of all the guided workouts so even one looped band that is a 30 pound band for example can be so beneficial but essentially with a band a lot of times you're kind of amping up the weight on a on what would be a body weight exercise or you always need something to hook it to same thing with the trx you need some kind of a mounting point for the bands to be super beneficial but if you have that it's it's really effective so those would be basically like my top five adjustable dumbbells adjustable bench TRX, kettlebell bands. Oh, you know what? Can I throw one more in there? It's a pull-up bar. Pull-up bars, even a doorframe pull-up bar is really beneficial because obviously we want to do vertical pulling to build the most healthy shoulders possible. Uh, and there's a lot of ways to do assisted pull-ups with these, even if you don't have a band or a room to hang straight with the straight legs from. You could put a bench in front of you or a chair and rest your legs on it while you do pull-ups. That's going to alleviate a lot of weight. And so overhead pulling is very important. Hanging is a great way to decompress your spine. You can also get really healthy shoulders from the range of motion. It's going to help you stretch. Uh, you can build better posture by holding a shoulder packed position, which trains all the muscles under your scapula. So having a pull-up bar is super beneficial. And then It can also be an anchor point for you. You know, if you have a TRX, you could probably hook it to that pull up bar or you could hook a band to it. So a lot of these can play off of each other. And I think I want to say you could get all those things. If you just got one of each of everything I said, you could do it for less than a thousand bucks. But then, you know, individually, they're a lot less than that. The the most expensive ones would be the adjustable dumbbells or potentially the bench if you get a nice one. Uh, But then when you look into getting a full on squat rack for your house, uh, you get battle ropes, you get uh, Swiss balls and med balls. I, I mean, I'm actually just looking around my gym and all the stuff that I have because <laughs> we have a great build out, but it is very minimal. You know, you can get carried away really quick, but again, it's like, what is the most important thing to you? Do you want a barbell or do you want a trap bar? Um, these are questions that you have to ask. Cause like for me, I use my trap bar only a couple times a month, but I'll be honest, every time I use it, I'm like, that is the best. <laughs> That is what my body needed. I needed some heavy weight to lift today. and so uh, but it, but it's it pretty infrequent. again, and I don't think it's it's the most necessary thing, especially if you can load up with a couple fifty pound dumbbells for something. So keep it in mind, you know, it's okay to have your own interests, just make sure you're moving. California underscore bear underscore adventure. What's up, Nathan? Says, I noticed you do white rice at Chipotle, Why white, white rice over brown rice. So I say I do both. Truthfully, I just think white rice tastes so much better. And even though brown rice has uh, more nutrition in it, it's like whole grain. There's a little bit more fiber. It's it's pretty minimal, man. <laughs> it's pretty minimal. And I eat so well as, uh, nutritionally outside of that that I don't think it's a game changer for me. Maybe, I, I, I will say, I'm continually upping my food quality in the last couple months, especially with cutting way back on alcohol and desserts and the sugar-free this and that. So there could be a day where I only eat brown rice because it is a little bit more nutrient dense. Uh, but mm, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really there yet. Instagram. I say the Graham because it's really just Graham, but that's his last name. Uh, He asked TDS question mark. Yeah, I'm going to TDS, but I'm not racing, which is weird because I raced the last five TDS races. And I'll I'll tell you why. There's a couple of reasons. For one, last year enduro racing I knew was my last year. And let me explain, because I know that there are people who are genuinely disappointed in this and I, I need to speak my piece on it. I have been racing gravity since I was 14. I am a 30-year-old man now, and it's not that I've outgrown it in a maturity way. It's that I have been there, and I have done that. I'm, I'm just saying right now. I... Love the sport. I'm a huge fan. I'm never going to do it for my job specifically. And last year I actually did really well. <laughs> you know, I raced TDS and I won a stage. Like winning a stage at TDS is so gnarly with the competition that's there. Some of the best Enduro racers in our country are there, let alone the world. We've had literally Enduro World Series champs at that race. And to to win a stage is is super gnarly. And I got third on another one. And I did that, you know, months after my twins were born. I mean, I was so so proud of that performance that when that was done, I remember after the race, just being like, you know what, I'm, I'm never going to race better than that at TDS. And then I went to another race, which was a California Enduro series race in Auburn. And that's my, those are my home trails. Those are as home trails as it gets for me. That's literally where I first ever rode downhill. And I got third at the Mammoth Bar Enduro in pro, and these are all pro races I'm talking about. And I, yeah, I just rode consistent. I rode smooth. I, I and I remember after that, just being like, th- this is it. I'm done. I had, like I said, been there and done that. There's no experience from Enduro. I'm going to get in the future that I have not gotten already. And I don't say that in a negative way. It's just reality. And truthfully, that type of riding right now doesn't fit great with my lifestyle. And that's why I've been jumping on the XC bike and been on the road bike more. I've really been interested in just training my body. And, and and what's cool is that a lot of these skills are carried over to the XC bike where I can still go and ride downhills fast. On my Epic Evo, I just went, actually, this is pretty rad, but I, I'm going to post the GoPro of it soon. I just got a third on Strava. And it <laughs> sounds so dorky talking about Strava like this. And trust me, they just regraded this trail. It was the best conditions this trail I've ever ridden it in. But I just got a third on one of the biggest downhill trails in that area on my 110 bike. 110, you guys with little brakes and little XC tires. And I got a third place trophy on the downhill. And looking back at the GoPro, I'm like, dude, I was actually riding pretty fast. And so anyways, I I still ride downhills fast. I love it. I still hit big jumps. I love it. I still roost corners. And I just, I love trail riding and follow it. I mean, I probably follow World Cup downhill more than anything, but I haven't ridden a downhill bike in 10 years. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's weird to be more of a fan than a participant. But like I said, I just knew it was time for me to move on and with that with that also said, I'm, I'm trying new events this year. I'm trying, uh, I'm going to BWR in San Diego. That'll be my first gravel race. And I'm doing some monster rides through Y-Rides. And we're just trying trying new stuff. But it feels super exciting and fun. Now, I will be at TDS with my booth set up. We just got our booth. And that's something I'm really excited about, to come back with a business presence and still be involved and see everyone that I love and obviously cheer on the racers. See the race from a different perspective because this race in particular, it's called the Dirty Sanchez Enduro, by the way, people. It's in Grass Valley, California. It is rowdy. I mean, people in the audience are spraying beer on the riders as they come by. It's some of the craziest heckling you've ever seen. People in costumes and the tracks are so gnarly. So anyways, all get to experience that from a different side of it. And and it does feel weird. I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, there's not part of me that's like, oh man, it'd be cool to be out there. Because I I do feel that way. But I also know it's just not a good point. It's not a good call for me at this point. Okay, Trevon Stark. (laughs) He says, how do I deal with my sweet tooth? Oh, good question. Cause you're talking to someone who's got like a certified sweet tooth. (laughs) I literally have always loved desserts and I, I just have a huge appetite, but I've been a crazy sweet guy. Never understand when people don't want something sugary. I I've never understood it. My biggest recommendation to dealing with it would be to one track your food and really realize how much these sweet foods can impact your body. You know Whether it's like uh, some candy or some maple syrup or some chocolate or like find out really how many calories in the nutrition profile that's coming from that because it'll do two things. For one, it will show you how you can use it more functionally for rides and actually how to improve your rides with hitting that sugar at the right time. Number two, it'll also make you realize, oh wow, <laughs> you know, if I'm struggling with weight at all or if I feel a certain way, it's 100% because of this, So it, it'll give you the education you need to start realizing, okay, I can eat sugar, but the timing's got to be right. And if I am going to eat it when I'm not on the bike and it's just a pure splurge, I might want to reel in the quantity. I mean, for example, you guys, until very recently, I'd say until the last year, I ate dessert almost every Friday and Saturday night. And it wasn't just a small dessert. I would go and get a pint of ice cream and a couple of Reese's cups and I'd throw them in or I'd get a thing of Oreos and some of this and some of that and I'd kind of mix it together and I'd have like a fifth uh, I don't want to say it I mean 12 1500 calorie dessert you know once a week at least and What's even crazier is that I used to do that most nights of the week, but this is also why I didn't look super fit. (laughs) I never looked unhealthy because I was active enough and young enough to pull it off, but it wasn't until I tracked my food and I was like, oh my gosh, this dessert I had is literally half of the calories that I should be eating for the day. And it just is pure junk that I'm shoving in my face an hour, maybe 30 minutes before I go to bed. No wonder I wake up feeling trash. No wonder I'm bloated. No wonder I put in so much work physically. And I don't look like someone who does period. I don't like that anymore. It doesn't feel like it's who I am. And that was enough motivation to start nipping into the bud. Now, from there, like I said, you have a huge opportunity to eat these sweets on your rides, but you're still going to have to reel it in and have some really good alternatives. One of my favorite alternatives still has been mocktails, So getting like a Zevia soda. So this is a Stevia sweetened soda, a ginger ale, and then putting some tart cherry juice in it, a little sweet. Uh, You could even do diet cranberry juice, a little lower quality. But you're talking about even with the tart cherry juice... In this diet ginger ale, 25 calories tops. Maybe you throw a couple of blueberries in it. It's sweet. You sip on it. It's satisfying. Uh, I have done things like sugar free pudding in the past. Uh, I've done the Jellos. There are snacks that are stevia and monk fruit sweetened, and they have a lot of fiber in them, like smart sweets. Uh, there are ways to get that in. And I will tell you, there are times when sometimes a little taste of it can be enough to curve the real craving that you have. So you don't always wanna put up a wall. You know, having a little bite of it can, and sometimes it can't, sometimes it can unleash the floodgates. So be careful with this, but sometimes it could be enough to be like, you know what, that's good, but I'm, I'm okay without it right now. Other times it's like, you're freaking a vampire and you just got your first taste of blood and now it's game time. But personally, I've realized that I actually have a lot of self-control and discipline when I don't have alcohol in my system. (laughs) Go figure. So if I'm stone cold sober, it's easier for me to be like, eh, you know what? I'm going to hold off on that cookie or that. Chocolate or whatever, and then again, sometimes like I'll just have a little bite. I'm like, mm, that's good, not worth it. John Yetter asks, "Are you related to the Brett Teal that went to Jessup?" Yes, I am. <laughs> it's a local Christian university. Crunk underscore shocks. Shout out to you, Crunk shocks. What a legend. He says, "How do you stay fit with a cast on?" Do I just soak it with sweat for the next six weeks? Yes, you do. You absolutely soak it with sweat. You make that thing filthy. You want mold and algae growing on the inside of that thing by the time you're done. No, it's gross, man. I've had casts. It sucks to sweat in it super uncomfortable, but I sent you specifically a strength workout that you can do to work around it. <laughs> and I remember this because it was recent. <laughs> and so I really hope that you use it and get that thing sweaty because moving your body, creating blood flow is going to be very positive as long as you're not you know adding to the injury. You should do everything you can to, to keep your the rest of your body moving, to maintain as much as possible, at least the other parts of your body. Photos underscore by underscore MW. What's up? Will you be at Tahoe Trail 100 this year? I really want to be. Uh, that is it's a hundred kilometer mountain bike race i really want to be some of my other plans fell through for later this year i feel like that's one that's pretty realistic for me to do so i'm actually planning on it it's on my schedule literally and i hope i can make it happen mike buttertooth says i hydrate a lot before long rides but then i need to stop and pee a ton (laughs) management timing tips okay i've experienced this especially with morning rides with coffee uh, hydrating a lot before long rides. My, my question would be, are you overcompensating for not hydrating throughout the entirety of your day? Like, are you a couple hours out from a ride and be like, Oh, I need to drink water all of a sudden. And so then you start drinking a ton of water or are you drinking enough water frequently throughout the day where, you know, you could just pee and then go for your ride and maybe you have one stop. I mean, for, for one, it's very normal to have to pee on rides and have to stop. I have to do it all the time. It sucks. It's annoying. Who knows what I'll do in some of these longer gravel races. I'll, I'll probably pee on myself. I'm down. I mean, <laughs> we'll see, but yeah, I don't know if that would create some kind of weird chafing. I, I don't know what's going to happen with that, but in regards, I, so I can't speak on the racing side of things. My guess though, just the way that you teed this up is that you're probably overcompensating for a lack of hydration throughout your day in totality. So I would say focus on just hydrating throughout the day. You won't feel the need to maybe chug an extra couple glasses before a ride and it could probably help with your peeing situation. P-4-L-D-E-N. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um <laughs> says, uh, core workouts, please. Sure, go to dialedhealth.com. I got plenty of them. Uh, Taylor Benz. Does your wife ever ride or work out with you? (laughs) No. (laughs) I've actually been trying to convince her to get a Creo SL, which is the specialized E road bike. And maybe it's something we could do in the future when my kids are really riding bikes, hopefully. Uh, But no, man, she's not interested. And honestly, it's been fine. It's been great. It's it's time for us to be away from each other. And I can't imagine us always riding or working out together. She did used to train at my gym a little bit when I was doing group sessions, which was kind of cool. And we actually handled that pretty well. And then in regards to working out together, you know, we'll do a family walk. We'll go on hikes together on vacation. I mean We'll be active together. We don't necessarily work out together. No. So thankfully, she is kind of on her own program. And honestly, guys, I'll be real. She doesn't use my my workouts. She uses like the Sweat with Kayla app. <laughs> (laughs) which it it's great if you're a woman, not that the workouts wouldn't work for men, but it's just like everything about that whole thing is just for women. You can check it out and (laughs) you'll find out why (laughs) really quick, Uh, but it's great. And it's a great fit for her. And I think that's something too, where maybe even people are shocked to hear that. But the reality is, is I really only recommend Dialed Health for people. It's a good fit for, and it's easy for me to talk about and, and quote unquote sell, because I believe in the product. And if someone should be doing something else, like if someone really doesn't ride bikes, I always tell them there's other apps that will give you daily workouts that don't consider bike riding, but I give you the best workouts if you are a bike rider. And that's why I feel so confident in it. So just kind of some backstory on that. We're going to get through these last ones really fast. I promise no more side stories. CK Wong underscore says got my first MTB first race is in August. What should my split be with riding and strength training? A strength train? Well, shoot MTB. You didn't really tell me what kind of style of riding you're doing, but I'll tell you two days of total body strength training and then ride as much as you can. You should hopefully be riding and pedaling a bike at least three days a week if you want to be competitive. And more than that, if you want to be super competitive, but you need to be working out in total four days per week. So if that's two strengths and two two rides, then that's a good split. But you need to be working out and moving and training more days than you are not because your body is going to represent what you do most often. And if you're sitting on the couch shoving popcorn in your face most often, that's how you're going to perform. <laughs> so at least be on the, the four days side per week than the three days side. That would be the minimum recommend. This is another one from Ryan's Instagram recommendations on bands to buy. Yeah. The rogue monster loop bands, rogue monster loop bands. I have no affiliation. It's the ones I buy. I think they're great. Q underscore Simon underscore 77 beat the sun at unbound 200 this year. Question mark. How much non-moving time do you estimate? You know, I have not even thought about that and it is I guess I'm going to say this because if you're listening to this podcast an hour in, you probably, <laughs> you're probably like a ride or die. Dialed Health fan, so or just part of the community. I just pulled the plug on Unbound and I haven't announced it officially yet. And it's, it's a bummer, but we're doing it for the right reasons. And I want to take more time to explain that. I probably will on the next podcast, which by the way, is going to (laughs) change. And so there's a lot of good reasons why, although it's a bummer because this feels like something that had a really good opportunity to kind of put us on the gravel map, I guess, and get really involved in the scene and build some credibility fast. But the truth is we're just kind of not ready. Uh, Personally, from a performance standpoint, I feel ready, but it's mostly where the business is at. Uh, And again, I want more time to explain that. But yeah, unfortunately, we're not going to be there. Um, It's just it's a it's it is what it is okay r.rider1 still doing tans in the winter dude i tan year round i have to this is the person that called me out for being so pale and uh it's the lamest part about my job i i literally hate tanning but if i don't go like once a week i get so pale that it's distracting because i'm super white <laughs> Now this wasn't a question, but I wanted to include one topic on how to really look your best with the most minimal amount of clothing possible. I have a lot of experience in this because I'm constantly posting myself in just little itty bitty shorts on the internet, swinging around kettlebells, doing the workouts. And there are a lot of tricks I've learned. And I call it a trick because ultimately you can have the same body composition and look drastically different based off of just a couple of things. One of those things is lighting. I'm not gonna lie, lighting makes a big difference. Number two, if you're pretty pale, like I am, it's having a tan. Obviously, this comes down to your skin color, but really being white doesn't help with light reflection. Having a little color makes a difference. The last one is grooming. Grooming is something that's absolutely necessary if you want to look your leanest. Having a lot of chest hair, a lot of body hair. I'm not saying it's bad. I mean, I respect a man with a good old rug-looking carpet on the chest. I mean, you got to respect it to an extent, but it's not going to make you look your leanest or your best, and that's why I use Manscaped. They actually reached out to me for the podcast to do an ad on it. Uh, And it's so fitting because I actually already use the product. I use the lawnmower 4.0. And as someone who has had to actually figure out how the heck do I keep myself groomed with chest hair, with uh, stomach hair, leg hair, yada, yada, back hair, (laughs) how do I do it in the way that's just the easiest? Because it's extremely annoying to do. But again, I want to look my best. So I got the lawnmower 4.0 and that was after shaving with a typical razor. But to be real with you guys, I would get ingrown hairs. Not about it. Also using a face razor. It just didn't work great and I'm blown away at how well the Manscaped razor works <laughs> and so again when they reached out to me for this I was like that's a slam dunk for me because it is literally a product I rely on for the business and I think it can help out a lot of other dudes in particular women as well I'm not gonna you know exclude you guys from this but I think I'm talking to men in regards to chest hair I will say I don't typically shave my legs with it unless I'm kind of in a bind but I will you know last minute if I'm doing a video shoot and I need to just you know trim up some leg hair I'll use the Manscaped 4.0 lawnmower, which is great. Uh, Obviously you could take that thing wherever you want and it's going to get the hair wherever you want it gone. And uh, I'll just say it is the best working thing for that whole process that you can imagine. So (laughs) go to Manscaped, use the code dialed fam to save 20% off your order. I'm actually waiting for them to send me the weed whacker, which is a product for nose hairs because I do trim my nose hairs. And the one I have right now is really annoying and hard to use. So I'm hoping that one's great. I'll tell you about it after I get it, but I'm really stoked. came on the show. So thank you for Manscaped for sponsoring this episode. And if you guys are trying to look your best with the most minimal clothing possible, I highly recommend checking that razor out because I think it makes shaving your body hair about as easy as it can be. So again, that's using code dialedfam at manscaped.com to save 20% on your order. Kyle underscore Abel, uh, get a ride in if I plan a trip to Cali. Dude, maybe, I don't know. I mean, I am really annoying to try and schedule rides with because of my family work sitch, but dude, that'd be rad. SD Law Boy, do ketone supplements work to enhance performance? Wow, it's really funny you bring that up because someone just brought in some ketones for me to try, but I gave them away. And I did that because I had a friend come in who actually, it spends a little bit of time in ketosis. And I was like, you know what, you you live the fat adapted lifestyle. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, ketones are what your body can use for energy when you're in ketosis, uh, which means you don't have many carbs in your system. Uh, and it's just not a whole side of nutrition that I'm that interested in. I mean, there is a lot of value in learning about it, but I just don't, I just think that this is kind of a, I think it's kind of a trend. And truthfully, like I've heard ketone supplements can give you a big boost of energy, but is it worth the cost? I don't know, because I'm pretty sure these little vials each were like $30 a piece. It was for one shot of it. So I just don't know enough about it to tell you, but I'll tell you that it felt like a waste on me because I'm definitely not, I'm a carb guy. (laughs) I'm a carbon protein guy. I eat fats too. Don't get all riled up. You know, 30% of my diet is almost fats, but, and and that's fact because I track it and I understand this stuff when a lot of people want to, Tell you about things that they don't even get. So, uh, anyways, ketones supplements—they probably could if you spend time in or around ketosis. Other than that, I don't—I don't really think so. But I don't—I don't know. Benjamin Scholes, 06. as a young teen rider, what is the most beneficial thing to focus on? Diet, riding, etc. Oh, good question. I would say probably focus on your riding, and in regards to diet, just make sure you're eating enough. And it'd be good to try and eat protein, like put a little effort into making sure that you are eating protein. So whether that's eggs in the morning, uh, some type of lean protein with your meals throughout the day, or whether it's taking in a protein shake, I would do something intentionally to make sure that you're getting some quality protein in at some point. But I think focusing on your riding is the most important thing because, you know, you can get away with a lot more as uh, nutritionally as a teen rider that people later in life cannot and there's there's a lot of reasons for that but I think that as long as you're eating enough calories and you have the energy to go out on your bike and ride make sure you're getting some protein in and other than that just focus on your riding focus on your riding and, and do some strength training be very safe and very cautious but if you build a base of strength as a teen you know and this could be light squats but if you take the time now as a teenager to learn good form you are going to be light years ahead of people that choose not to. And, uh, I would say, honestly, take your time because the last thing you want to do is injure yourself in the weight room, trying to rip like 300 pounds off the, off the ground or bench press too much weight. Uh, and it happens a lot in <laughs> like weight classes. I've, I've been that guy too. So, uh, just Do your best to stay smart with your strength training, but make sure you do it because uh, you incorporate strength, you incorporate mobility. It's gonna serve you for a long time. And I'll tell you, anyone listening to this podcast will tell you, when I was younger, I was flexible. I could touch my toes. I could do the splits. I could do this and that. And now they're stiff as boards. I'll tell you, even personally, I'm I'm a mobile guy. In general sense of the term, but I am not nearly as mobile as I was when I did karate and I was 12 and I could do the freaking splits like sideways. Like <laughs> you guys, I was, I wish I want to get that back and I'm not even close, but it takes so much dedication. You have to really care. I don't know if I care that much, but I'll just tell you like that does happen. So incorporating your mobility as well. Very, very important. Beal de says no cycling and training for two weeks because of influenza. Yikes. Tips for starting up again. I would I would do the same workouts and just lower the intensity drastically. It, it, like drastically, you know. Uh, you can do push-ups, you can do squats, you can do all these movements but regress the weight, regress the reps if necessary uh, to come in very conservatively. Because remember, you can always add a little bit more the next day, but if you go too hard, you could kind of put yourself in a little bit more of a hole than you need to be in. Okay, last five questions. We're doing good. Frank underscore shooter. What do you recommend for recovery, specifically sore, tired legs? I recommend foam rolling and I recommend elevating your legs. So get on the foam roller roll those suckers out, do it daily, especially after your, a big ride or someday where they're, you know, more tired than normal. Hit your quads, hit your IT bands, your hamstrings, hit your calves, and hit your hips, and then put those suckers up above your heart and keep them there for at least 10 minutes. So between rolling and elevation, that'd be like the easiest, most productive thing you could do, I think, bang for your buck wise, uh, because it doesn't cost a thing. I guess you just need a foam roller. (laughs) Okay, confession, you guys, I wrote this one. When I did this post on Instagram, I wanted to test the question box because sometimes you don't get questions when you post a question box. It doesn't work. It's really annoying. So I tested it and I wrote, (laughs) I wrote, this is so corny. Why do you ride the indoor trainer so much? (laughs) I wrote that because people ask me that all the time. Here's why. It's the reason I said before, because it allows me to stay in zone two and build a proper base that really serves all of your cycling, all of your fitness, health and well-being. And I just don't have the discipline to do it outdoors on my own. So I do it for the discipline of training, but I do it for convenience. And I also do it, there are days, even if I have a hard trainer ride where mentally I feel so fatigued from work and family, and whatever it may be, that even the thought of just handling a bike and the outdoor variables that come with it sounds like a little bit too much. And, and that's just honest. And I, I say that with confidence because... I ride outside, you know, every week and I love it. And I ride in gnarly conditions and under gnarly circumstances, but there are just times when I'll wake up and I'm like, I don't even feel like being out on a bike right now dealing with the world. You know what I mean? I just want to turn on a YouTube show that I like. I just want to sit in this garage and just do my workout and sweat and and walk right into the shower. So convenience has a, the most to do with it. There's the specific training adaptations I want, but there's also just this, uh, this like turn the brain off ability to stay consistent and not, you know, miss rides because the trainer is such a different tool but it, it's so funny too because people will tell me, "Oh, well, that fitness doesn't really translate to riding outdoors." And I'm like, "Yes, it yes it does." <laughs> is it the same exact thing? No, it's not the same exact thing. If you get like on some motion board or something, is it probably more beneficial or similar to cycling outdoors? Yeah, it probably is, but in regards to your fitness and your your legs and your energy systems. I mean, y- you are doing like the same, like the same thing. So to say it doesn't translate is, is just false. But the truth is you can't just be on a trainer for six months straight and expect your bike handling to be good. And I think I haven't experienced that because I haven't taken, you know, more than a week off of riding outdoors. And I think I took two weeks off at one point, um, uh, from riding outdoors, but I was still pedaling indoors. And so again, it's like your bike handling still there. Uh, you can lose your fitness a lot quicker. So use the, use the turbo trainer. Matthew Gonzalez, seven, nine, nine, three says best homework for weak hamstrings. So for weak hamstrings, there's a couple things you want to do. First off, you want to make sure that they are activated and a really good way to activate your hamstrings is by doing a Swiss ball hamstring curl. So you'd lay on your back, you'd throw your heels up on, it'd be like your Achilles, your calves, up on a Swiss ball. So this is like a big exercise ball. And then you raise your hips up off the ground by squeezing your glutes. And then you pull your heels toward your butt and let your hips rise as you do that. You're gonna feel your hamstrings a ton. It's like doing a hamstring curl, but a little bit more, I guess, uh, less equipment involved, more functional, less uh, stability from the equipment. So do a little bit of a hamstring curl, make sure those suckers are firing. From there, you wanna make sure you have a good hip hinge and that you're doing deadlifts. You're doing some kind of loaded hip hinge movement. This could be kettlebell swings, it could be deadlifts, any variety of them. Uh, It could be single leg. It could be, you know, bilateral with both legs. It could be some split stance version. There's a ton of ways to do it, but in combination of making sure they're engaged by isolating them with hamstring curls and then hitting the loaded hip hinges, you're going to build up your hamstrings. I promise you that. (laughs) Sutats S. Niwal. <laughs> I definitely didn't pronounce that right. <laughs> Is it okay to train climbing constantly? Meaning, does that negatively impact one's body? I mean, you could overdo anything, but. To just go climb a bunch, you're probably going to get really fit. I think the thing that can negatively impact your body is to never have a day that isn't hard. You know, like I said, said, there's a lot of value on the zone two days on the bike that's proven everyone should be riding zone two, you know, at least like once a week and just to make sure your base is, is staying consistent and maybe even doing some form of a recovery ride. Like after these big Y rides I've done or Everesting or whatever, I have to do a proper recovery ride where I can't even get in zone two because I'm so smoked. So if you never pedal soft for a full session, I would recommend that. but to have every other day of the week be climbing,, I, nah, I don't think that's a problem. I think you'll probably probably be really fit. <laughs> but again, you have to have some easy pedaling at some point and uh, th- with climbing it, it can be hard to do. Maybe your climb and your grades are mellow enough to where you can stick in zone two, but you know I would track that and make sure your heart rate is not going too high. You know, you check your power, go off FTP, whatever, but that'd be the only downside, I think. Other than that, it's just general general overtraining symptoms, AKA under recovery. Okay, you guys, last question. MTB Shea, he says, shoulder injury, best recovery, PT, sports masseuse, stretches, something else. Dude, it's all of the above. If you have the opportunity to go to a PT and get a real diagnosis of your shoulder, most likely you're going to get to the answers faster. You know, it'll help direct you of what is probably the most important place to put your energy, whether that's complete rest, whether that's just movement, whether that's just some manual therapy like the massage or the stretching. They will have a better idea if you can get a diagnosis. So that would probably be ideal. If not, it's going to be up to you to do those things and find out what has the most impact. So I actually have a shoulder uh, rehab routine on my website that takes you through some deep tissue lacrosse ball work around your rotator cuff. It has some uh, movements to strengthen your rotator cuff, a lot of movements to stretch and open up your shoulders. So I would check that out and see if you can do it and just make sure that nothing causes pain. If it does, maybe it's a little too much. Maybe there's one movement in particular that feels like it is too much and the rest feels really good, you're going to have to try that for yourself uh, if you're not going to go and get it diagnosed by a PT. Wow, we got through all of them. That was honestly the fastest hour and eight minutes of podcasting I've probably ever done. (laughs) And so I want to thank everybody that wrote in a question on Instagram. It's honestly super fun for me to answer these questions for you and also to see what you guys are curious about. It definitely helps me direct a lot of the content for the future. Uh, And it's also fun to kind of, I, I mean, I'm just sitting here talking about myself half the time. So thanks for giving me an opportunity to do that. Uh, But the real goal is to give you guys some value on really what my answers are to these questions and really how I'm living my life and how I'm training and, and what I'd recommend for given circumstances. So thanks again. We will definitely be doing it again soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Dialed Health Podcast. If you have not already, please be sure to subscribe. Also, share it with a friend and tell them to subscribe to make sure that you don't miss a future episode. Now, if you are enjoying it and have subscribed, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And most importantly, go to dialedhealth.com, get a membership, and start strength training. This podcast is only possible because of the revenue we receive through the website. It is what fuels everything that we do. And I'm very grateful for the members who have been helping us grow because we are, man, we're about to do big things with this app. Gosh, I cannot wait. Uh, So thank you guys for the support. uh, And most importantly, use the product get results. I want you guys to have the best rides ever and be the happiest, most functional humans possible. So until then, I'll see you next week with this new style of the Dialed Health show. I'm very much looking forward to it and I hope you enjoy it as much as I intend for you to enjoy it. And I'll tell you right off the bat, we have a really cool interview next week with Alex Wild talking about his third place ride at the first stop of the Lifetime Grand Prix, which is a Marathon XC race. Very excited to hear from him and how he's basically pulling off a full-time job and competing with the top XC racers in the country. It's pretty rad. So anyway, stick around for next week until then start moving forward. I will see you next Monday.